0: Welcome to Role Playing History, the podcast where we explore the history of role playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour. Episode 30 Role Playing Games Based on Fandoms. As you know, we've been working our way through a themed series of shows leading up to Christmas, giving you some gift ideas as well as some new and different games you can try during the holidays. This week, we bring that series to a close by covering games based on fandoms. Now, in working out the details for this episode, I I had to figure something out. How exactly do we want to define a fandom? Well, we have to begin by granting the fact that a fandom is something that a large number of people are a part of or follow. I mean, if hardly anybody follows it, can it really be a fandom? So, you might have a favorite game. But if it's a niche game, it won't qualify for this show. Don't get too sad, though. Before this podcast comes to a close, which is a long way down the road, I plan on hitting every role-playing game I can find. So it's probably going to get covered here. Also, we have to decide whether or not we want to repeat games we've broken down in the past. That's an easy answer. No. I mean, Star Wars and Star Trek are definitely fandoms. However, since they got their own episode about a month ago, we're not gonna break them down again here today. And games like D&D, Deadlands, Shadowrun, and Vampire won't be getting a breakdown here either. I mean, they've gotten a ton of love as well as their own episodes, so they're gonna get a break today. Also, Harry Potter is a fandom, but we're not gonna talk about that game today for a simple reason. The game isn't officially licensed. Sorry, but, and and I didn't tell you this, if you Google Harry Potter RPG, you can find the free to play PDF of the game. Like I said, though, I didn't tell you that. I'm also going to lay off the superhero games. Now there's multiple reasons for that, but the biggest is that they've either already gotten a deep dive or they will be getting one in the near future. So rather than repeat information or take a potential topic off the board, we're just going to leave them out. I'm also going to lay off of any of the games I mentioned in last week's episode. I mean, Lord of the Rings is definitely a fandom, but since we discussed it last week, repeating it here would be a bit much. So, I can hear you saying, what does that leave for us to cover? Well, I've got four games I'm going to deep dive today. The Army of Darkness role-playing game, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Doctor Who, and Firefly. There's definitely fandoms around those four. So without further ado, let's get this tour bus rolling. The Army of Darkness role-playing game, based on the cult classic movie, was designed by Shane Lacey Hensley and published by Eden Studios in 2005. Army of Darkness uses the Unisystem for its gameplay. Unisystem is a point-by-system with the points spent on attributes, skills, qualities, and metaphysics. As with many systems like this, players also have the ability to take drawbacks to get more points to use to build their characters. And again, as with other systems like this, actions are resolved by adding together the relevant attribute and skill, rolling a 10-sided die and adding that result along with any difficulty modifiers. If the total is 9 or higher, the action is a success. Now, Getting back to the game, the setting is much like the movie. You've been transported back in time from modern times to the medieval, and you're definitely a fish out of water. Now, the game does include statistics for Ash, who was played to perfection in the movie by Bruce Campbell. However, players can also create their own characters in their own styles they can play, which, for my money, gives all us geeky dudes who fanboy over the flick an opportunity to bring our own snarky style into the setting. One thing that many regular role players might notice is that there are no rules for magic for this game. It makes sense though, since any magic used in the movie was either used off screen or was just kind of alluded to. So if you want magic, this ain't your game. But if you want to keep making references to your boomstick, you got it. The reviews of the game, while polite, weren't the greatest. However, for fans of the movie, reviews, eh, they don't really hold a whole lot of weight. Army of Darkness would give you the opportunity to play through a movie we've loved for so long and do it in your own style. Now, the book's been out of print for a very long time, so your options are either find a used copy or purchase the PDF from DriveThroughRPG.com. Either way, I can assure you it will be worth it if you're a fan. If you're not a fan, eh, maybe you need to see if you can Netflix the movie. Just saying. Next up, let's take a look at the game based on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You remember the show, right? You didn't watch it? Yeah, I don't feel bad, neither did I. However, the impact of the show on multiple fandoms cannot be denied. After all, Josh Whedon's star kind of blew up with this show. And whether you still like him or not, his impact on multiple fandoms cannot be denied. The game was designed by CJ Carella and published by Eden Studios in 2002. Now, this game also utilized the Unisystem, which Eden used for all of their games. There are three types of characters for this game. The White Hat, which is a supportive figure like Xander or Willow in the series, These are characters with specific skill focuses which allow them to provide support for the hero or for the experienced hero. The hero is Buffy early in the series, or Spike if he's more your type. This character type has more talent, more experience, and more supernatural ability. The experienced hero, that's Buffy towards the end of the series, or Faith if she's more your type. This is the hero who's seen it all and probably kicked its ass. They get more attribute and quality points and many more skill points. Beyond that, the game plays a lot like the show. You've got your heroes, you've got your baddies. How the heroes deal with the baddies is up to the director, that's the name for the GM for this game, and how you play the game. Now, it should be noted that the game contributed to series canon when Josh Whedon provided the last names for Faith and Kendra, that's Lehane and Young respectively, when the book was written. Fan fiction writers have been using those names ever since. I should also point out that there's an Angel role-playing game as well, with the same game engine and similar character types. While the Buffy game didn't win any awards, the Angel game got the Origins Award for Best Role-Playing Game when it released in 2003. The game sold fairly well, especially in the fan bases of both shows, but didn't have a lot of staying power. Reviews were fair but tepid, with most reviewers noting that gamers outside of the fan base would probably not play either game long term. Neither game is available in print anymore, since Eden Studios lost the license from Fox in October of 2006. However, they are both still available in PDF form from drivethroughrpg.com. Next up on our tour are three games based on the long-running BBC show Doctor Who. The first version of the Doctor Who role-playing game was published by FASA in 1985. Design credit is given to the FASA staff, and the game got two printings. One had painted artwork of the fourth Doctor and Leela, while the other had a publicity photo of the two of them on it. This game utilized a custom system similar to the one they'd used for the Star Trek game they dropped in 1982. The game is a skill-based system with skill levels based on the character's prior experiences. Roles are percentile based with the roles going against a set difficulty target, a player's skill, or a combination of both. The game itself allowed characters to play as the doctor, his companion, or members of the Celestial Intervention Agency. This version of the rules had three main rulebooks covering some of the history of the program, along with the rules for the game. During the lifetime of this version, ten different adventure supplements were published, bringing the Doctor's various enemies into the game, including the Daleks. Paul Mason reviewed this version for White Dwarf No. 72 and gave it a rating of 8 out of 10. He said, quote, I can appreciate what an achievement it is to wrap together the Doctor Who mythos into a coherent whole. There's been a lot of effort put into this game, and it shows, End quote. While the game sold fairly well, it was mostly due to the fan base of Doctor Who, and it went out of print by the late 1980s. The second role-playing game based on the series was Time Lord Adventures Through Time and Space. Written by Ian Marsh and Peter Darville Evans and published by Virgin Publishing in 1991, this game had no ties or relations to the FASA release at all. Now, one very odd thing about Time Lord is that there was no mechanic or method for creating original characters. The game referee was basically instructed to give their players a doctor and that doctor's companions, or just give the entire group doctors and play on. Later on, an online supplement, Time Lord Journeys, actually brought in a system for original characters, but that came mostly out of complaints about the lack of one at the beginning. The game system itself was all about beating the difference. All actions have a difficulty rating. You subtract the relevant attribute and skill, with the remaining number being the difference. Roll two six-sided dice, then take the difference of those numbers. If that number is higher than the difference, the action is a success. And are you completely confused yet because trust me i was had to read that sucker six times before i got it right the game book has a treasure trove of information about the various companions of doctor who as well as the villains it also had a solo adventure as well as a full campaign however the game wasn't marketed well it was published as a paperback book and thus was marketed with the other Doctor Who paperback novels of the time that were in stores, rather than putting them with the role-playing games where it belonged. Because of this decision, as well as the fact that Virgin was not a player in the gaming field, the game did not sell well at all. Not even articles in Doctor Who magazine could save the game, and it was dropped shortly afterwards. However, Doctor Who does not die, and neither did the role-playing game. UK-based Cubicle 7 Entertainment picked up the license in December of 2007. To be more specific, they picked up the license for the Renewed Show, which has started back up about two years prior. Titling their game, Doctor Who, Adventures in Time and Space, they released the David F. Chapman and Alasdair Stewart designed game in 2009. By starting their focus on what the fans call New Who, the staff at Cubicle 7 gave themselves a smaller starting point. This allowed them to focus on getting the mechanics of the game down solid, as well as only focusing on two Doctors, since Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant were the only Doctors at that point in New Who. The mechanics of the game are difficulty-based. Characters have attributes, like strength and ingenuity, and skills, like fighting and technology. To resolve, you add an attribute and skill, then add the results of two six-sided dice. Compare that number to the difficulty set by the GM. It should also be noted that all failures and successes are graduated, so succeeding or failing by larger amounts than needed can have spectacular results, both ways. Players also have the ability to acquire story points, which allow them to adjust results from their character roles or to influence the world around them. The more they try to do, the more points it takes. Story points are awarded by the GM for clever, quality role-playing, so they're very subjective. It should also be noted that the players are strongly encouraged to utilize non-violent methods to resolve the issues that crop up in the game. It's not required, but much like the series itself, the cleverness of the doctor and his or her companions is a bigger focus than just killing the bad guys. By 2010, three products for this line had been released. The first edition box set, a GM screen, and a supplement called Aliens and Creatures. In October of 2012, the 11th Doctor edition was released, putting the focus on Matt Smith's version of the Doctor as well as his various companions. This version won the Gold Ennie for Best Family Game in 2013. It should also be noted that this version of the game was supported with about a half a dozen different adventure supplements, several of which won awards of their own. In May of 2013, Cubicle 7 got the opportunity to expand their license, and did so with new supplements for each version of the Doctor. By the end of 2018, all of the on-screen Doctors to that point had supplements released for them, making all of them available for play in the game. In June of 2014, Cubicle 7 combined all of the books of the first printing of the game into one book, and they released it as a limited edition. This book also had special inserts that tied into the 50th anniversary episode, Day of the Doctor. In 2015, Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor got an edition of the game, and the game's name was changed to Doctor Who role-playing game. Oh, and I know that there are Whovians who would say that Capaldi's Doctor was technically the 13th because of the War Doctor. I'm following BBC on this, guys. Don't, Don't get in an uproar. Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor will make her appearance in the second edition of the Doctor Who role playing game when it releases early in 2022. This game has been very well reviewed and Cubicle 7 has reported consistent sales since the very first printing. In addition, the release of a second edition bodes well for the continuation of this particular version of the game. Now I mentioned that the second edition is coming out early in 2022. For now, the various printings of first edition product are available either at your friendly local game store, some bookstores, and online. Last up on our tour for today is Firefly. Well, let's back up a half step. First, we're going to look at Serenity, which is the game based on the movie release to bring closure to the television show. Confused yet? Just stick with me. The Serenity role-playing game was designed by Jamie Chambers and published by Margaret Weiss Productions Limited in 2005. The reason for the focus on Serenity was because the movie was all they could get the license for at the time. Therefore, all of the game information came from the universe of that flick. Now, the game utilized the Cortex system. That system is a very modifiable system based on the game you're playing. Characters have a number of trait sets, like attributes, skills, relationships, or powers. Each trait within each set is rated with a die size. That means a big, strong, less than intelligent individual might have a d10 for brawn and a d4 for brains. Much like other systems, when resolving checks, you select a trait from each set, roll the dice as a pool, and then add the top two dice. That's your total. Any ones or hitches, and you take that into account. Another die from the pool is used as the effect die, which determines the magnitude of the die roll's impact. So with the system in place, let's look at the game. Now the book is in full color, and it swings back and forth between the characters from the movie and a crew that was created by the development team. And there's a ton of pictures in the book, but again, they all come from the movie. For the record, just make sure we're clear on all of this, this is because the rights to the movie were controlled by Universal, while the TV show rights were held by Fox, and the publisher made their deal with Universal. Now, all of the stats for the Serenity crew are based on their appearance in the movie. The bad guys also come from the movie, as well as some created by the developers for the game itself. Five supplements were released for this system, one of which, the Big Damn Heroes Handbook, won the 2009 Origins Award for Best Supplement. Then the totally unexpected happened. Margaret Weiss Productions Limited got the license from Fox for the Firefly television series. With Monica Valentinini aboard as the designer, the publisher announced the Firefly role-playing game for a 2014 release. In the meanwhile, Margaret Weiss Productions released four supplements that acted as a bridge between the two games. However, Margaret Weiss Productions stated this was not a spin-off. The reason for this was that they utilized a new version of the Cortex system for the game. Cortex Plus, developed by Cam Banks, is similar to its predecessor in many ways. However, the big difference is that it's a roll-and-keep system. That means, as we've discussed in the past, that you roll a certain number of dice and you keep the two best results. Since Firefly had use of the entire, and only, first season of Firefly, the character stats are based off of their appearances in the show itself. This game also had the ability to bring in the villains from the show as well. Dozens of supplements have been printed for this game, even after Margaret Weiss retired and Cam Banks' Magic Vacuum Studio took over publishing the material. This version of the game is still in print, and it should be available from your local game shop, bookstores, and or online. And with that, we come to the end of today's tour. Next week, we'll take a deep dive into the role-playing game, Pendragon. Let's just say you're going to want to leave your D&D brain at the door for this one. Hey, since we're well into the holiday season, with dozens of different holidays celebrated all over the world, I wanted to take a minute to pass on my wishes that your holiday celebrations go well, and that you get the opportunity to spend time with those you care the most about. I also wanted to point out that if you're a D&D player looking for a holiday-themed adventure, there's a ton of stuff available online. You can either Google search or utilize sites like the DMs Guild or DriveThruRPG. Also, if D&D is not your game, but you're looking for a holiday theme, just punch it in as a Google search. For example, Shadowrun plus holiday game. Trust me, somebody out there has written something with a holiday flavor to it. So, if you want a game with a holiday theme, there's plenty of stuff out there for you to game with. You've just got to dig a little deeper. As always, thank you for listening in. Your support makes all of this worth it. Credit for our theme music goes to pixabay.com. Check them out if you need royalty-free music for your production. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Role Playing History Podcast, Twitter, at Role Playing P., YouTube, we've got that channel, Role Playing History Podcast, and you know what to do when you get there. If You want to drop us an email? I love reading email. Role Playing History Podcast at gmail.com. Next week, we deep dive Pendragon on Christmas Eve. Means I better lay off the eggnog. But that's next week. Until then, I'm Wayne Davis and your Role Playing History.